0: You sweet lovers out there, you're listening to On a Menu Within and Peter Haig.
1: Boy, do we have sweet treats for you today.
0: Oh, don't we ever. And we're going to start out uh, with um, a chef that uh, we've known for a while and really, really love. um, Jacob Kennedy, uh, with one N, I always say um and um, he has both a an Italian savory restaurant as well as a gelateria that's to die for and his new book, which will be on sale august tenth um is is everything you ever want to know about italian gelato and, and even some English editions such as um Uh, what was it? Christmas cake flavored gelato Mm. a Christmas pudding cake Anyway,
1: if you're into sweet stuff this is it hang in here and enjoy the conversation we have with Jacob and then when the book comes out buy yourself maybe two copies
0: Jacob Kennedy can you remind me again why your Kennedy only has one N
2: so uh, I'm an artificial Kennedy and my father's family are hungarian jews and, and they they um they fled hungary in the holocaust and they hid in ireland and they changed the family name to what sounded like an irish name that would pass at first glance but they chose a spelling that actually if people dug is is um uh is a true hungarian name and it means from the town of kinyes really so uh, it was in, in case in case people went jew hunting again so they had a story that would uh, would, would
0: work? Well, you know, we have so much to talk about. Um, let me do a brief uh, update to, to our listeners. Um, listeners, we know Jacob Kennedy uh, from his, from actually interviewing him from his first book and actually being in his uh, restaurant, um, Boca de Lupo, um, which is Kiss of the Wolf. And also, we, in fact, were at his, uh, uh, gelateria, uh, Gelupo Gelato, which is, uh, nearby in London, we're talking about. And, yeah, we, um, we,
1: we, we gained 20 pounds of weight. While,
0: yeah. we, were, while we were sampling <laughs> in your gelateria.
1: Anne, Anne was getting, and was getting ready to sue you for malpractice. <laughs> you can't have done, because my ice cream is not so fatty, you know you must have yeah done well that's
0: another point we should as make well. but um so but this this book is is wonderful. I've already told you that it's all it it's it's smart, it's fun, it's funny, it's informative, it's beautifully illustrated, and you cover so much ground it's it, it's like so thorough i mean <laughs> Let's give our listeners just a little bit background um, and work into it. How you got so connected to Italian food and culture.
2: So my uh, my mom grew up in Rome in the 50s and 60s. Um, in, in fact, she and her parents were the inspiration behind that Vita, behind the film. And I grew up oh, okay. going on holidays all the time to, to Italy. And of course, as a child, the only thing you remember about a holiday to Italy is the gelato. Um, I then uh, I spent a year travelling around Italy uh, just for uh, for fun, uh, but that turned into research for my restaurant Bocca di Lupo, where we um, where we look at regional Italian food. And I always, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the, the real answer to the question is I just love eating, and. It's Italian food that maybe I know best, but in every country you find things which are just so delicious that make you want to cry when you eat them, and um, who wouldn't love that?
1: Yeah, well, when we when we visited with you, it was really it was really fun because because you sat down and ate with us, so so we, we felt like we were certainly a part of the proceedings. <laughs>
2: the. Um, uh, in a way, I hope all all my guests at the restaurant feel a little bit like that, even though uh, even though I don't annoy them by sitting with them, I only annoy you by sitting with you. Um, because for me, if, you know, they're coming to my table, and I'm not entirely sure what the difference is between going to the restaurant, and coming to my home. Um, apart from that, of course, they pay when they come to the restaurant. <laughs> but it is really good to, it is really hosting people and and, and inviting them to uh, to my table, which is what what rocks my boat and and makes all the work worthwhile and fun
0: well now how did you fare during the lockdown i mean it's been really rough um all the chefs in london we've talked to um i mean it's the start up and cut back and stop and start up again how did you fare
2: i um the beginning was very stressful because it was very uncertain and uh I, I didn't know how we would fare, and I didn't know what the world would look like. And I had to catch myself a couple of times and say, hey, Jacob, just remember, you know, you haven't lost anyone who's really close to you. Uh, you know, there, a lot of people out there are much worse off than you are. Um, but after a few months, I started to realize that we would find a way through it and that the business uh would be able to weather what looked likely to be thrown at it. And we started doing... Uh, delivery of cook at home meals service from Bocadillo, which has been really successful and was you know the first day that we kind of turned the fridges back on and were cooking again and I walked in in there and the fridge was full of food that was going out to people and we did the same thing in Jalupo There was a day when we turned things back on and we made a big production run for delivering to people across London and it felt so good to be feeding people again and for the same reason for the sense of bringing people to the table and of giving them something and so emotionally that helped and we reached a point where you know it wasn't profitable but we reached a point where we were breaking even from month to month and we were okay and now things are opening up in the UK um maybe too fast maybe not who knows and you know we're taking a big big risk with what's happening in the next month
0: yeah I think so too but it's it's going to happen I guess um and it's been stressful the reopening
2: process has been in a way almost more stressful because we've because Brexit and COVID hit at the same time, a lot of uh, workers in my sector have fled back to Italy and France and Spain, back to their mums. And so we've got a... There's a real staffing shortage. Um, plus, at the moment, every day, I'll have a few people, people members of staff who can't come to work because they've been told they came into contact with someone with COVID. They may or may not have it, but they can't come to work. So kind of it's... it's um, for everyone in the business, it's really—it's uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, and we know it'll probably get better, but we know it's probably going to get worse for the next for the next month or month and a half until it starts to improve. So it's just, it's, it's it's stressful, but at least we're doing something. At least we're here, and you know the business is still here, and um, we're still happy.
0: Well, it, it also gave you time to write this wonderful book. I mean, you give readers. The information straightforward of what they need in order to make these um, frozen desserts, focusing, of course, on gelato, uh, semifredo, and granita. Now, what people get confused, could you just explain, as you do in your book, the difference between ice cream, gelato, a semifredo, and granita?
2: So, um, let's start with ice cream and gelato. And if I was being precise, I would say there is no difference between ice cream and gelato, except that the word gelato includes also sorbet. They're churned frozen desserts. So they're frozen desserts which are mixed while they're frozen. Um, Now, Italians have a different sensibility and a different approach to making their ice creams and their sorbets than than British people and Americans do, in that we... um, let's call us Protestants on this side, uh, or Anglicans, Um, uh, we make our ice creams quite rich, and we make like a thick custard, which has got egg and cream in it, and we add flavors to that. So you end up with something that tastes of cream plus something, cream and caramel, cream and Mm. strawberries, cream and chocolate. Um, The Italians have a different approach, and this is basically milk with some sugar in it, and whatever you're putting into the ice cream. And the result is that you just taste the thing that you put in there. So a good, a great pistachio gelato will will not only taste more of pistachios than an English pistachio ice cream would, or an American pistachio ice cream would, but it will taste more of pistachios than pistachios themselves do. You know, it's like it captures the essence of it and exalts it and pushes it forwards in your mouth and celebrates it. So uh, I suppose when people say gelato, they mean gelato, they mean ice cream made in the Italian style, and that is with a blend of different sugars and less fat and to my mind it's kind of brighter maybe the flavor a think, of, so. of but you think so. no
1: no the um, tomato and ice cream were invented i guess of course uh, at about the same time and for a rather special person as i recall
2: the um what's the, what's the genesis story that you know of their origin because i've heard a the, few that
1: the, the man who's Curiously enough has a Giorgio brand named after him here in the US, invented this sorbet for Catherine de Medici. And she took ah, she took indeed. him and the recipe to Paris with her when she, when she married this the French king.
0: See, I think it's much earlier than that, I think at least the Romans had it, right?
1: The Romans had the Romans so the Romans had something
2: at least they had something close to Granito. And so while ice cream is churned, and the result is this smooth, creamy uh, confection that we all love. Um, the other two, which we talk about a bit in the book, are uh, granita and semifreddo. Now, semifreddo is a parfait, so that's something which is whipped before it's frozen. Right. And would normally have either whipped cream or uh, whipped uh, zabaione or panna bomb or something in it uh, to lighten it and to give it a mousse-like texture before it's frozen. Um, and the granita is uh, slushy, you know, it's a it's, it's an ice slush.
0: Slushy, right.
2: And the um, the ancient Romans used to take uh, compacted snow, and they'd store it in insulated caves um, from the winter, so that in the summer they could take the snow out and they could pour fruit syrups over it and make something cold and tasty to refresh themselves. And modern-day Romans have something called checa, which is very similar, and it's shaved ice. And along the banks of the Tiber, there are people who have a block of ice in their little painted wooden cabin. Along that, the word, that along that was a new word. That was a
0: new Italian carriage. word for me. I didn't uh, know about it at all.
2: It's 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 obscure. There's no reason you should have known it. But it's very it's very typical of Roman Lazio. And they mm-hmm. grate the ice. They use something that's similar to a hand plane and um, uh, then they'll pour uh, a flavoured syrup over the top of that and make something very refreshing. And that's kind of the, I I, I assume, that's the the precursor of Granita. Uh, Granita is heartland, really, in Sicily, but they make it around coastal areas of Italy, generally, where they celebrate the sunshine. Um, And that would be a a fruit syrup or a flavoured syrup. It could be almond or pistachio or coffee. Which is frozen and stirred occasionally when it freezes, so you get a nice flush. yeah, right. Um, and that's a good thing too, and so easy to make.
0: You have so many little tricks. I mean, I didn't know, never even occurred to me, but uh, you, to get various um, results, you 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 use you personally use, and I guess other people do a blend of sugars.
2: The. Um So, if you you take a store-bought ice cream, like a regular ice cream, and you leave it out, it 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 will melt pretty suddenly. It will go from being pretty solid to being liquid. Um, And Italian ice cream is famed for this texture, where there's a where you can kind of it's kind of almost uh, gummy elastic. It's not too gummy, but it's got a kind of pull and a stretch to it, and a softness. And um, I studied sciences at school which is now quite a long time ago, unless I'm eating an ice cream, because that makes me feel young. But the rest of the time, it's a long time ago. But I do remember my <laughs> chemistry teacher telling me that a solution of you know, one, one substance, you know, solvent, has a melting point. It has a temperature at which it melts. Yep. But when you have a mixed solution of more than one thing in it, it will actually melt over a range. So it won't suddenly go from solid to liquid, but there'll be a period where it's, it's on the way. And that's my, uh, I suppose it's pigeon science, but that's my explanation. One reason that we use a blend of sugars in, uh, in gelata and that's because by using two or three or four different sugars, um, there's a wider range over which the ice cream melts and you can have it at a certain temperature. Um, the sweeter you make it, the lower the temperature has to be, but there's a certain temperature you can have it and it's got this amazing pull to it where it's still solid-ish but also a bit soft.
0: Um, I I remember being amazed at the variety, how many different flavors you had in in your shop. Um, How many different flavors do you have in this book?
2: I think it's 80-something. We've developed, over the 10 years I've had the shop open, we've got a, a catalog of about 500 and something flavors, (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: uh, and I, I laughed at some of them I couldn't believe you had a Christmas pudding in here
2: <laughs> so you can put you, it's a, in a way all the book needs to have is an explanation of how to make an ice cream how you make an ice cream you know how or how you make a gelato how you make the base and how much of the whatever material this is you're putting in there to make it into a pistachio or coffee or chocolate or whatever it is
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, because you can I would hope, after you've made two or three or four gelati from the book, you 'd be confident enough to try your own flavor that i haven't included for one reason or another and it is it's fun you know i mean what idiot said you shouldn't play with your food? You absolutely should play with your food and you should have fun with it and um, one way to play with it is is to make your own so i would I would hope that after you've made one or two recipes. You'll then make a recipe that I didn't give you, but using some knowledge you took from the book and something you've learned yourself and something that you just want to, you want to try. So maybe you'd make a cumin ice cream or some, some, some fruit that I've never heard of.
0: Right. But you we left some money in here. I mean, it'd be hard to think of anything you left out. Um, <laughs> you, you even have a, a scaling up. So I, I mean, who, who is the cookbook for, actually?
2: Um, the cookbook is for anyone who wants to make an Italian-style gelato at home. And I, uh, you know, I dismissed the idea of making a cookbook about ice cream for, for several years, because I thought, A, for most recipes, you do need to have an ice cream maker, and not everyone has an ice cream maker. Um, and B, who wants a big, expensive book that they're only going to use a few times? Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly had this epiphany that actually we could make the book. And you, 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 you called it comprehensive earlier, but it's a very small book. It's inexpensive. It's meant to have all the joys that you get from eating an ice cream. You know, something which which lasts a moment of, of pleasure and which doesn't break the bank. And I would hope that pretty much anyone. Uh, I hope it's written simply enough that most that most oh, people who are, who are home cooks could 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 pick it up and have a go. I think, oh, it's I think your writing is so lucid;
0: it's easy yeah. to to read. Um, yeah, um, I, you you touch on things that I, the ordinary person would never even think of, like um, yogurt and lemongrass.
2: So I can't remember why, in heaven's name, we made yogurt and lemongrass the first time, but it was just such a good combination. Mm-hmm. And I like, um, one reason why we've got so many recipes in our archive at Chilupo is that uh, there are a lot of different things that you can put into an ice cream to make it taste different, lemongrass being one. Um, but you can also make the base out of different things. So you can make a yogurt base as opposed to a milk base or a mascarpone base or ricotta base. I love using ricotta. And these, these add their own character as well to the, to the ice cream. So yogurt and lemongrass was. Uh, a recipe without really much rationale behind it.
1: Uh, yeah, and I always and wanted to make, what was it, green peppercorn ice cream, no? <laughs> no,
0: chocolate, green peppercorn chocolate cake.
2: I don't know, I don't know, like I'm thinking about those flavors as for me, not milk chocolates. For me, dark chocolate would be amazing or white chocolate, but that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Now you, talk, you, you you talk about white chocolate um, in this white chocolate and lavender thing, saying that milk is the nemesis of chocolate, its destroyer. Um, tell us. I, I wasn't sure about that. I, I wasn't sure that um, is white chocolate really chocolate.
2: Um, no, white chocolate is. Uh, well, I, I, I suppose a linguist might give you a different answer um the 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 fat in white chocolate is is cocoa butter so it does contain um part of the cocoa plant or part of the cocoa fruit uh, but it doesn't have any of the dark cocoa solids or the cocoa powder or the cacao that defines chocolate um, and instead it's got milk powder and sugar in it in with in, in, in with the cocoa butter but i've always uh and I, for me chocolate is dark that's the, that's it, what chocolate is, too. I'm not such a milk chocolate person, um, and it always really struck me that as soon as you add a little bit of milk or cream to dark chocolate, it completely neutralizes all of the more interesting parts of the, of the flavor, for me, <laughs> and certainly if you eat a really strong dark chocolate and uh, then drink a glass of milk, the flavor of the chocolate will suddenly disappear from your mouth.
1: Um, it's, really, it's really funny, Jacob. I, I don't know whether he, he would have been living in England at this time, but during the time when I was a child, somebody launched a chocolate bar called a Milky Way, which was exactly yes. exactly that. It was it was a was a white chocolate and I hate. exactly, and it
2: it's a, it's a it's a very sweet thing. White white chocolate is is a, is a very clean and, and sweet thing, mm-hmm. um, and I don't need to often. Although there are some higher quality ones that do taste a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm 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 normally a dark chocolate person too. Um yeah, I thought that, that it's a
0: good
2: dark white chocolates. is like
0: sorry, dark chocolate gets edges towards the bitter. Which, yeah, I mean I always it's figured it's that heads. that I like it because I was raised on bitter foods. Um, you know, because of the Sicilian background, we we like bitter. And so I always thought yeah, that's probably why I like the dark, dark chocolate.
2: It's funny, isn't it? When you, when you look at Asian cuisines, uh, bitterness is celebrated where it's found. You know, things like that, bitter good, which is so bitter. And in Italian food as well, bitterness is a flavor which is celebrated. And, you know, from Amari and from things like Campari to all those bitter greens, which is so right. wonderful. And... Um, Yet in in the states and in England, if you say something is bitter, that kind of implies that it's not good.
0: I know, isn't that funny? You
2: know, it's a negative word, and I don't. I, I find that so um, so strange.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think it's you know, we, we we when, when we're kids, we, we find we don't like bitterness, and the reason we don't like bitterness is it's plants ways of ways of telling us that they're poisonous.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Sometimes strange. honestly, and sometimes dishonestly. But then, when we grow up, I think it's time to learn that bitter foods can be quite yummy. Well,
0: but I mean, the, the sweet tooth the the Americans and the British have is rather amazing. You don't find that around very often, do you? Maybe in Mexico, actually.
2: Yeah, there are. Uh, I don't know. Everyone likes a bit of sugar now and then, and uh, and I suppose that's what I, that that is one thing I really do try and celebrate in the book because ice cream is sweet, and it's mm-hmm. liking sweet things is. It's childish, but that that is the joy of ice cream. I it, know that right. the inner child, right? You you become yeah. instantly. Uh, I don't know, For me, I've become. I reckon between five and eight years old is probably when I really got into ice cream. So it takes me right back on some level to to then. It's real, you know, youth—the youth, fountain of eternal youth.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you spent so much time exploring and researching on uh, this category of food. Um, I mean, every every section has some new amazing thing like rice. I mean, rice um, you say was popular in Rome in the fifties and sixties.
2: So I was so I was told when I met rice gelato in Rome um, by I think it was Alfred uh, who who still lives there. He's he's it's a friend of my, my grandmother's now deceased but he's still around mm-hmm. and he was taking me around to, to gelateria, and I think he told me about what about it used to be quite a, a common flavor in Rome um, and I found it mind-boggling because it's so it, you know it's so simple it's just surely that It's just a milk ice cream with grains of rice in it Grains of cooked rice. Well, mean,
0: you talk rice. about children's so taste delicious. rice pudding is I mean it's basic to childhood
2: probably. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah absolutely but then if you freeze the rice it completely changes the, the the grains uh, they become crunchy, so they they completely change the 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 texture of the ice cream and it's just it, it is such a joy and it's
3: so simple
2: and the thing that i that it always delights me is finding something which is so simple and you know, there's nothing clever about it it's just fun and it it blows your mind when you eat it um, I don't know why everyone doesn't make West Gelato. <laughs>
0: Thank you much to listening to the the other thing that I found so amazing is that you like leaves <laughs> I mean, like, you, know, like you, you talk about um uh, some elder, was it elderberry leaves i mean leaves from uh, trees and bushes that I would never even consider be edible. How did you so get I involved with leaves
2: so um uh, I suppose lemongrass is one of them. Um, the two I think you're thinking of are uh, there's this fig leaf and um, oh fig leaf that was the one leaf.
0: that sounded me
2: and black currant leaf. So fig leaf, um, I I've seen other people doing this after I did it, so I don't know if I started something or if other people have always done it and I wasn't aware. But um, I experimented to find ways of making um, fig leaf infused desserts because to me the most incredible scent in the world is if you stand underneath a fig tree when it's sunny and it kind of bakes this scent out of the leaves which is so aromatic and evocative and kind of beautifully feminine and I've always liked scents which have fig leaf in them and fig leaves themselves are and the flavour is amazing in dairy. So if you make a fig leaf panna cotta or a fig leaf uh, gelato, it's really sublime, Its aroma. But it's also, it's a little bit challenging because the sap of figs um, will coagulate milk. So you have to make sure there's not too much fig leaf in there and And it's not not used for too long. Um, And similarly, you don't use too much because it can become bitter very quickly. But if you judge it just right, it's the most esoteric thing. It's like eating a very, very, very fine but delicious perfume. Um, and the other one is blackcurrant leaf, which I use all the time when I can get them because I love blackcurrants. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, I can't remember who I was talking with, this was probably 20 years ago, about, uh, I should try blackcurrant leaves because they make an amazing, amazing tea. You know, they <laughs> said tea them, I of blackcurrant leaves. And I tried it, and blackcurrant leaves, they have all the aroma of the blackcurrant berry, but not that kind of cloying, and I love blackcurrants as well, I think they're delicious fruits, but they're very sweet. And um, instead, from the leaf, you kind of just get that essence of, of the you know it's, it's the same way you know we all love tomatoes right tomatoes sorry I'm, I should remember my audience, um, uh, but it's the smell of the, the of the tomato leaf, which is more tomato than tomatoes themselves, you know and if you if you smell a good tomato it smells a little bit of tomato leaves,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, yeah I, I, I love these flavours.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, what else should our listeners know about this book? I mean, you do, um, gelato in things, um, you, you deal with cannoli, <laughs> um, you, you deal, as I said, with scaling up so that you can have things handy and, and, um, made in advance and, and your flavors are, what, what else do you want people to, to know about this book?
2: Um, I, I want people to know that it's a celebration of childhood and life. And I think that, it, that, that they, um, I don't know, if they want to have a look at it or if they want to cook recipes from it, they should, they should, they should do it when they want to feel young or they should do it with kids. Um,
0: you don't want them to do, the, do the elder, elderflower, cucumber and gin granita, do you? <laughs>
2: Well, maybe that one they shouldn't do with their kids. Well, uh, they, they, they should let the kid have it before they put the gin in. Um, there are some, there are some fairly grown-up flavors in the book as well.
0: Um,
2: I think you know it's been such a hard year or year and a half for everyone around the world, and I think anything that we, you know, they should, they should if, if they're going to use the book, use the book to have fun. It's, it's, it's a joyous book,
0: and and you have a great sense of humor as well. Um I think you, you should tell us just a little bit before we sign off about the outstanding graphic design of this book.
2: So, uh this book was designed by uh by a graphic design company called Here Design, um who uh who I've known for a very long time and he did the logo of my restaurant and of Chiluca and he designed both of those books as well. Mm-hmm. Um we didn't find it easy. I had it, I had this idea in my head that um, that the book would be better um, illustrated rather than photographed. Mostly because if you photograph ice cream, you're just photographing balls in different colours, and although they can be can be pretty, it's a bit repetitive. Or you're just photographing the ingredients. So we we spent almost a year back and forth designing this book and changing the ethos and having different ideas about how it should look. And then after we sent it off for printing, um, we had a photo shoot with a photographer who I work with quite a lot just to produce some images to use for for press, to be able to give to magazines if they want to write something about the book. And the photos looked so beautiful. I had this massive crisis of confidence. I was so worried. That uh, we've made a big mistake because the photos were beautiful and joyous and made me want to eat the ice cream. Um, and then I got my first advanced copy through the post and I opened it and I knew that, you know, I'd seen it on PDF before, but it was when I held it in my hands. And I can't wait, Anne, for you to hold it in your hands as well and have a look at it physically because I know mean, you've only seen it, seen it in digital format so far. It's just a joy and I knew had done the right thing. So again, it's telling the story of the, of the ingredients, often in quite a lilting and humorous way. Um, so, uh, my favourite one is the illustration for the peach gelato, which is two beaches or two, two peaches on a beach for that song. <laughs> you know, walking on the beach looking at the peaches. So it's all a bit it's all a little bit tongue in cheek, um, and um, I think it suits it suits the subject matter very well and invites you just to just to have fun, which is what I had when I was writing it.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it's an extraordinary book. Yeah, and, uh, let's put let's, let's put some,
1: let's put something geographic in here. I always like to do that. There's a there's a landmark in in central London called Eros, a statue of the god of love, and the gelateria that we've been talking about is literally just around the corner. Right.
2: Um. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So there's Cupid's arrow somewhere on the pages, probably. In fact, there is, I think. I think. I can't remember which one one it is, but there is definitely something which has been spiked by the arrow of love. I
0: think it's a chocolate. (laughs) Well, again, listeners, um, this is a book that you can treasure, and um, it's uh, published by Bloomsbury, which does fine books. Um, The author uh, is, is Jacob Kennedy with one N, And the book is entitled Jalupo Jalata. And, uh, Jacob, um, I I can't tell you how much I miss being there. I've been in London for two years now. (laughs) So maybe soon.
2: uh, Please make it soon. And um, and we can eat the book as well when you come. But it's very useful to have a nice being together and sit under the statue. That
0: would be wonderful. We always enjoy talking to you. And thank you so much. Good luck with your book. Oh. You don't need luck; like, you just need uh, people to pick it up and look at it and fall in love with it, as I did. So, um, thank you. I,
2: well, I hope I hope will do. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me. It's been a real joy to speak again.
3: Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net
0: And next up, we're we'll going to be talking to Donatien Monod um, and, and his product, Les Com de Provence, which is an outstanding award-winning line of jams, um, uh, conserves, uh, fruit spreads, uh, chestnut spreads. And just ask Peter. He's been lopping I'm it up with I a spoon mean, out, I
1: mean, of <laughs> and out of the jar. and eating out of the jar and this is from Southern France for for, re, for reasons that are somewhat complicated, and you'll hear about the gentleman yeah, we're referring he to. His,
0: about that. He, he's, he's, he's actually from Malaysia. We're talking. He's living in Malaysia. We're talking to him.
1: That's where that's where he is. So let's listen let's to listen what he has to, to say. Daniel. Hey, um, Daniel
0: Monod. I'm so happy to be talking to you. We've been writing to each other for, for such a long time. Uh, we have many, many questions. Um I I want to know why first of all you're in Malaysia. <laughs> okay. Uh well uh, allow me first to
3: thank you um, and and Peter for um hosting me because um I love to share uh, our passion about our uh, manufacture, and uh, to answer your question, I'm in Malaysia because um, I do all the international development for uh, Agronové les Comptes de Provence, and I have lived uh, two decades in Asia for uh, previous big food companies. Absolutely. My wife is uh, from Beijing, originally, where I worked uh-huh. quite a long time. And uh, we find that Malaysia is a lovely place for us and our children who speak French, English, Chinese. Uh, it's a real uh, perfect melting pot. And, a point, and Asia is uh, truly uh, uh, a great place for... Um, uh, business development. It's quite okay for me to travel in between um, the U.S. and Europe. So it's for the lifestyle, for the family, and also quite convenient for the business.
0: Well, talk to us a bit about the business. Um, there, I'm not sure how it's all connected. Uh, the Comte de Provence uh, and the uh, the What's the other one? The, um, Agronove. Uh, Agronove. Yeah. Uh, okay. Explain what those refer to.
3: Absolutely. So, um, Agronove is the name of our company. And we have, uh, developed over the past three decades a brand called Les Comptes de Provence. Uh, which is a brand for all our uh, preserves um, and specialties made out of fruit and out of uh, uh, different types of uh, uh, vegetables and so forth. So um, I prefer to refer to our brand name, which is Les Combes de Provence, which you can okay. find um, throughout the, the U.S.
1: Right. Now your products are made in France, correct?
3: All our products are made in France. Uh, they are
1: made in the south of France
3: and in uh, a region which is called Provence. Hence the name Les Comtes de Provence. And uh, if you want a bit of history of Provence quite a few centuries ago. uh, It was an independent place which belonged a bit to Italy, belonged a bit to France, but has a very also regional kind of cachet. Um, And Les Comtes de Provence is basically the name of the uh, people who had land in Provence and who used to Develop all the agriculture and all the um, uh, food-related raw material. So there's a bit of a uh, ancient history uh, linked to Provence, which is a lovely land. It's by. It is
0: lovely. We've been and we we loved it so much. Um, Oh, wonderful! You you have been. No, was the chocolatier we love in Provence. He was uh, in Saint Remy.
3: In Saint Remy de Provence? Well, you've been yeah. to one of the nicest places there. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, we stayed in A, we stayed in Avignon.
3: Well, I loved Avignon. Avignon. Okay. Okay. Ah, Avignon is lovely. Well, we are um, about 50 minutes' drive from Avignon, going towards the. Uh, Alpes de Haute Provence, the French Alps of Haute Provence, uh-huh. and you go through the what we call the Durance Valley, which is the Durance is a river right. that uh, starts from the Alps and goes all the way to uh, the Mediterranean, and it's been a source of a lot of uh, agriculture and uh, fruit uh, agriculture mainly.
0: Well, now. Uh- you caught our attention um because you won two major sophie awards in the um, specialty food um association uh sophie awards um for the fancy food show which has all been virtual for this past year or so but you, you got a um a gold a silver in the previous year um uh, You got a best new product. Was that? Yes, absolutely. So um, you're you're a big winner, and um, the the product is exceptionally fine. I only knew about um, the the fruit spreads, and um, you just mentioned vegetables. What what else do you do besides the confitures and the fruit? Hello. Uh, first, to mention
3: the Sofia Award uh, because it's it's for us, uh, as you can imagine, a huge honour to be recognised by our specialty food American uh, friends. Uh, it's it's really uh, like winning uh, an Oscar uh, if you want to put a <laughs> visual. Uh, <laughs> but
0: it's called of the Oscars of the food world. That's true.
3: And. And I believe it is so. Uh, and, and it makes us feel that we've really grown because uh, we have won, over the years, a lot of awards in uh, France at the Concours Général Agricole de Paris. It's the biggest uh, food show uh, in France. And uh, all the tasting, just like the Sophie Awards, are line tasting so there is no nonsense when it comes to judging the product it's all about the flavor the flavor the flavor
0: Uh Uh, and
3: we uh, try very hard to bring uh, unique uh, recipes coming to what we do um, so yes we do uh, jams preserves um, mainly organic ones we also do compote but we do Provencal specialties. So we have a whole line of, for instance, uh, chutneys or what I would call cheese accompaniments. Right. So fig, walnut, uh, william pear, uh, cherry with a hint of lavender honey. And we also do very typical South of France uh, specialties. So tapenade, black olive spread, um, uh, and, and so forth. So we are... Specialized in a know how, which is what you call um, cauldron um, transformation. So we cook in small batches in um, these uh, uh, small size cauldrons, and we have a know how that enables us to do not only jams, but uh, uh, olive or tomato or uh, aubergine, eggplant. Um, Products. We try to stay faithful to Provençal recipes and vegetables or fruits that surround us.
1: Uh, Who who grows the fruit and vegetables?
3: Alors, uh, being now, um, we are a family company. We're not a very big company, there's 50 of us, uh, very specialized. We try to get a lot of our fruits. From France, but more importantly, we always focus on getting the top quality fruits, um, what we call triple A quality. So we have growers also in Italy, in Spain, all around the Mediterranean basin. Uh, we have for the figs, for our red figs, organic red figs, partnership with growers in Morocco. And sometimes berries that need a milder climate, we go to Serbia to get um, unique Williamette raspberries. So always Europe uh, origin and always, this is the key, uh, a very uh, high quality fruit because you can only oh, make a good product with good ingredients.
0: Well, the I mean, also the, the quality is, of course, stands out, but you also, your process, and, and what you do with your recipes, um, they're not syrupy, sugary at all. They're very restrained. Yes, we
3: uh, and and thank you for bringing this up, because
0: um,
3: let me run you a bit through our unique process, and uh, allow me to boast a bit, because we have been um, granted by the French state the... French Living Heritage Company Award, Entreprise wow. du Patrimoine Vivant. This is an award that is granted to some uh, family-owned companies that have a know-how which represents um, the best of uh, the industry. So it's for us. It's it major. can be for um, handicraft.
0: Um,
3: and our know-how is based on A couple of uh, parameters one quality of ingredient I spoke about the fruits but if if you talk about jams we use only pure unrefined cane sugar organic it's usually an expensive product but it makes a big difference when you blend and cook your fruits with that much better than beetroot white sugar or high fructose corn syrup so, ingredient is one very important aspect. Secondly, we only do small batch cooking in cauldron. To give you an image, our cauldrons can handle about 700 pounds, 300 something kilos of fruit. Uh, whereas big companies, they would use tanks of 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 pounds. So it's wow. not the same world. We do. More batch cooking because you can control better, you can adjust better. And for each batch we cook, we have our jam mastercraft. It's like having basically your five-star chef with the ingredient handling all the cooking and watching and being able to adjust. So as I like to say, we are with a human touch controlling the process and not just flip a button, wait 30 minutes, and here it goes. Uh, that's important. And yes. imagine the cauldrons, we put them on a mezzanine because we have what we call a very gentle treatment of a fruit. We make sure they don't have thermal uh, shocks because a fruit that goes from low temperature to very high immediately uh, degrades, breaks, loses its freshness, its color. So we, tr- we treat the fruit gently. We do small batches, handcrafted batches, and then by um, gravity, it's a bit like wine, we have our cauldrons uh, at height, and we have, once the jam is ready, by gravity, we have um, uh, the jam go down and directly into our jars, and we do what we call a in-jar pasteurization. So uh, the, oh. the, the, the product lies directly in the jar; doesn't need to be thermal blasted a second time, keeping it fresher and uh, with a better color. And immediately after, we have. Put the product in the jar it's capped it goes through x-ray we have very strict uh, uh, quality control and we have built what we call a pool because a product that has gone in a jar at 90 uh, degrees about 140 uh, fahrenheit it has to be cooled down otherwise it continues to self-cook and it can become a bit uh, oxidated and um uh, it's uh, semi-candidate so we, we we have all this process which we tailor-made you cannot buy a chain like this on the market it's uh, years of uh, thinking trying and making sure that we have this gentle treatment uh, and, and it's been great for us because I was mentioning uh, uh, awards at Concours General de Paris uh, we got awards at uh, Great Taste Awards in London we got awards in uh, other European countries but the real deal is going to the U.S. and see what we're worth uh, in um, uh, in the biggest and in my opinion a market where you have the most uh, uh, passionate uh, food lovers. So we decided a few years ago that we'd give it a go and we've been rewarded. We are uh, I mean, ecstatic about it because it's, it's really uh, uh, an achievement. And now our objective is to try to have these uh, specialties in uh, the best possible places throughout the U.S. and, and, and have uh, discerning American consumers um, enjoy them. And, and, and we've been receiving some excellent uh, feedback, so
0: it, it really makes us happy. Oh, it's a wonderful product. And now how, you have so much knowledge. How long has the company been operating?
3: We have been operating for close to 40 years. Okay. Um, the owner and president of uh, Les Combes de Provence, uh, Yves Fort, uh, he's got an amazing story. And I should tell you also about him because uh, To make a good product, I was saying, you need good ingredients, but you also need a a company where you feel uh, happy and developing. Uh, Eve, um, actually, before being in food, he's uh, extremely uh, uh, well-read person. He has a PhD in law. Uh, He went to business school. He was also in his youth uh, a a motorbike uh, European uh, champion. So. A kind of a person that has many, many um, drives. And he's also uh, uh, very um, focused on following um, the Benedictine rule of Saint Benoit, which is to uh, always try to improve uh, what we do through. Uh, the best um, the spirit possible, always grow as a company, as humans, so we have um, also a um, a touch which I would call uh, um, quite Christian in a way, and and it brings in our company uh, a lot of uh, pride because uh, when we go to work, uh, we feel quite uh, happy, and we know it's not just about baking jam, but it's also about... Uh, trying to find uh, all the best ways to um, please people in the most honest way. So um, I It sounds like a very that.
0: happy place to work. And it seems well, like... It it's and, and
3: we, you've been to Provence, so imagine where we are. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah.
0: I, mean, I love that. I, I love that all the time because
3: I am in Malaysia, but I'm there often enough, and uh, and I come from Provence, uh, from a little village called Lourmarin, where my family uh, does wine. So I've always been in fruit. Um uh, uh-huh. it's not uh, a fermented grape, but it's uh, uh, cooked fruit. So
0: it's a
3: bit the same. Well,
0: yeah. Now, what what was the motivation um, of the founder to to to, I mean, it's, um, it's a complicated field, and there are many other companies. But what motivated the founder to start the uh, Le Comte de Provence? Uh,
3: to give justice to all the great specialties we can produce in Provence okay. and, and to stay uh, loyal to that, because uh, the problem in many growing fast-growing companies Within the years, they will have to change. They will change process. They will look for economy of scale. They will make things bigger, faster. Uh, This has not been the case. Our company, uh, we are not running after uh, doubling the turnover in uh, three years. Uh, What we like to do is win awards. Uh, What we like to do is have products that people try and then they say, okay, uh, I might have bought it a bit more than a uh, average uh, uh, preserve, but I know why I did that, and and so uh, there is this uh, this vision of we will never be a huge company, but we will make things by the book. We want to represent the traditional old style uh, manufacturing, which is something uh, I completely uh, uh, believe in. Uh, with limitation. We will not be selling uh, millions and millions, but at least we will be recognized. And and it's uh, a way also to uh, show what Provence uh, can do, and we are all very attached to uh, the south of France. So there's a bit of this.
0: Well, you know, the variety is is kind of amazing. I mean, you have um, black cherry and honey with lavender. You have... um, uh, you something you call uh, super fruits with uh, raspberries. Uh, you, you have um, raspberry, morello cherry, aronia spread. What is that?
3: Yes, yes, that is. Uh, that's that's an amazing product. So uh, this product, super fruits, because of aronia. Aronia is a bit like a very small black currant or blueberry. It grows in Amazonia. And it's a super fruit because it's full of uh, antioxidants and vitamins, a bit like acai. Uh, And what we wanted to do there, uh, we developed this uh, a few, two and a half years ago. Um, And and it's been extremely successful because we've had the pandemic, we've had a a, a lot of uh, Uh, people who have been more careful on uh, what they put in the pantry, how they use it, and super fruit. When you have more fruit, and this has up to 75% of fruit, uh, an ordinary jam will have 45-50, so significantly more. We have less sugar, significantly.
0: That that really appeals to me. I've been um, eating your clementine, um, fruit spread ah, out of yes. the jar <laughs>
3: ah yes that's a, this is a, the clementines
0: come from uh,
3: Corsica, it's, um, and from
0: Corsica. It's,
3: it's, it's from Corsica from Corsica and yeah. we have a special way to um, blend it because we don't do a marmalade which is basically extracting the juice and adding a bit of semi candied skin we are more generous we take the whole Clementine and uh, process it so you can have also a bit of a of a bite and a bit of a flavor, so yes, that's a great product. I'm, I'm happy you liked it
0: yeah, I like that
3: a
1: lot no, I and, and I think I will probably finish it before end <laughs> well
3: let me know and uh, we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll send a bit more because you should uh, enjoy that this 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 item actually won a gold medal. Uh, at the French uh, Paris um, um, contest, so uh, it's 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 a great product. It's a great product. Yeah, I
0: haven't. Yeah, I I, I love that. I, I haven't uh, done the chestnut cream yet. I'm looking forward to that one. Alors, Anne, let me tell you chestnut cream. Yes, did, please. Did you have some rabbit? No, I said I have a question. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I, here's a question.
1: I'm w- I'm wondering if you know a family from Provence called Perrin. 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 Yeah. Ah. Well, they, Perrin.
3: Uh, there's a lot of them. It's uh, be, It's like if uh, you know. Uh, uh, but I will have to know a bit more about uh, where
1: they are from and whatever. The, from uh, they're, they're They make wine in the Chateauneuf okay. du Pape designation. Chateauneuf du Pape. Yes. Yes. When I, interviewed, when I interviewed the current leader of the company, I said, "How long have you been in business?" And he said, "I think, I think, there, I think it was 15 or 1500 or 1600." <laughs> ah, which was which when they started. Yes. And I have, I have, a <laughs> I have, I just have this feeling that when another 450 years goes around, your company will still be in business. Yeah. Well, we love it. We, we love the well, we product. So. We, we, we hope so.
3: We hope so. Um, we, it, it, it's we, a beauty of. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I just wanted to make sure that um, that uh, you tell people how to get this your products. Where, where can you get it? Do you sell it on your yes. website?
3: Well uh hello. uh in the US we are uh, obviously still not everywhere but uh, we in in some whole foods you will be able to find us uh, on oh, um, independent specialty foods you will find us uh in Texas we are at Central HEB. so um and and, and if anybody wants to try uh, they can reach out and uh, we will uh, will point out because we have um Our our representative office in the U.S., uh, which is headed by uh, uh, Mr. Frank, Frank Fulloy, who's um, under the name of Food Maison. We are a a couple of French companies, um, same family type, so jams, biscuits, uh, mushrooms. And and so we we can dispatch uh, all over the U.S. That's, that's not a no, problem. How do they reach
0: you? E- through your website?
3: Um, the best way is through the website, yes. That's easy. And because, could you give us that um,
0: information?
3: Yes. So the the, the website is www.lescompt de Provence, but that's a, a bit difficult.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: I'll spell it out. So L E S C O M. T-E-S-D-E-P-R-O-V-E-N-C-E dot com. Les okay, so de Provence. It's, it's,
0: like, it's the plural. Yes. Are they it? it is. Okay, yeah, because it's called, yes. It. okay. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't know. My um, eight years of French is <laughs> helping me too much here. Dot com. Dot com, yes. com. Okay. Right. Um, well, but otherwise, you the... know,
3: they, if if they cannot find us, uh, they must go to uh, On The menu Radio and contact you and you can exactly. give me my number <laughs> or my email. And, uh, I we think, will uh, listen. If they are listening to us, they are smart people who know their food and they'll find a way and. I'm sure we they can do, uh, call Anne and Peter and they'll sort it out. <laughs> I'll well, pay you in kind. You will get some Clementine. That's not a problem. <laughs> and, and, and just to come back to the chestnut, because it's my daughter's favorite, our chestnut, when you try it, it's uh, it has inside not only the chestnut cream, but semi-candid uh, chestnut. So when you have it, oh. sometimes you'll have a bit of a, very delicate crunch with a plain yogurt, a couple of berries, raspberry, blueberry. It's a match made in heaven. So, uh, oh, But wow. I suspect Peter might want to eat it just by the spoon, and he will be a, <laughs> a good man for that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's wonderful talking to you also. Um, and I, I, as I said, I feel like we know each other since we've been communicating for such a long time. Uh, So, listeners, again, uh, it's uh, Le Comte de Provence, and it's wonderful, magical, um, preserves and and spreads, fruit spreads. And um, I'm going to check out um, a list of the products, the other products that you do too, the tapenade and so forth, which I didn't know you did. Uh, You were a delight, Donatien, to talk to. uh, and. And Thank you. And anytime that uh, you have something new to tell us, just get in touch. You have our contact information. Okay. Well, that's okay. Merci, merci, merci. <laughs>
3: merci. Merci, Anne. Merci, Peter. Thank you again. and you. um Until next time. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. I guess that's how sweet it is. You and, bet. Uh, yeah. And we'll have something... More, more, I don't know, <laughs> not necessarily. Who knows, who knows, who knows what, we'll what we'll have next week. But can I can
1: tell. Tune in. The only way to find out is to tune in to onthemanyradio.com, same time, same place, and we'll listen to you then. You'll listen to us then. Right. Bye-bye.